Hello my friends, this is Christopher Alam. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We are on the subject of the call of God and today I'm going to talk to you about the ministry of the evangelist. Yesterday we talked about the ministry of the prophet. We are in the fivefold ministry gifts and now I'm going to talk about the ministry of the evangelist. Now, uh, the ministry of, of the evangelist, the evangelist is number three on the list says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So the word evangelist, it comes from the word evangelion. No, evangelion means the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. So evangelion is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ or what we call the gospel. And an evangelist is one who preaches the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what it actually means. It's one who proclaims the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Now, to understand this, firstly, we have got to look at the primary commission of the church, the primary commission that God gave to the church or the primary calling of the church. And the first scripture I want to show you is Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 18. That shows us the primary calling of the church. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is the primary calling of the church, uh, that we should go into all the world and preach the gospel to every human being. Now, it does not say stay in a building. Build. It doesn't say, Jesus didn't say build a building and stay in the building and preach inside the building. He didn't say that. Or he didn't say, uh, build a building, stay inside the building and preach to those who come from outside into the building. No, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is our primary task. Everything about buildings and all that which are necessary that comes later on. The first thing, we go into all the world and preach the good news of Jesus Christ to every creature. Now, then he says, he who believes the good news that we preach and is baptized, that shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. That means be, they shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So in other words, what, he's, what Jesus is saying is that you should go. This is the mandate he gave to the church. He said, you shall go into all the world <coughs> and all the world means everywhere, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know, sometimes people like even even in our home church, there's some people and people have, there are people like this everywhere. Why should we bother so much about missions when there's so many needs here? Well, there's one simple reason because Jesus told us to. He didn't say stay at home, look after the people, uh, the needs of the people in your immediate area. And then when you're finished with that, then you can go into all the world. He didn't say that. His commandment was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There are several things that Jesus tells us to do. We must do without questioning. Another one of them, he says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Why? Well, don't ask why, just do it. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In the same way, when Jesus said, go into all the world, we go into all the world without asking questions. So, but here's my point. My point is that 
Jesus said that when we preach the gospel, these signs shall follow us. In other words, signs follow the gospel message. That means that the gospel message must, must, must be followed by signs, wonders and miracles following. And the signs are, we shall cast out devils. That's the first sign. We shall speak with new tongues. That's another sign. We shall take up serpents. If we drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm us. We shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So that is uh, the first place we see uh, the commission that Jesus gave to the church. Now, the second place we see is Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So Jesus said, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. And he says, he says, go into all the world. Go therefore and teach all nations, teach all nations, and then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, of the Holy Ghost, and teach them to observe all things that have, I have commanded you, and I am with you always. So that is the second place. The third place I want to, which, which we are talking about God's primary calling and mandate upon the church is Acts 1.8. It says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth, which means that Jesus is saying that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and then you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, that's where they were, and in Judea, that's the extended territory where the Jews lived, and in Samaria, and that was the, they were the people who were the enemy, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So that was the third thing he said, where the Holy Ghost shall come upon you, you shall receive power, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the utter, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen? So, here we see these three uh, places of scripture, scripture passages show us uh, the primary calling of God upon the church. Okay, now let's look at uh, a couple of other scriptures that tell us why it is so important that the gospel be preached. Mark chapter 16, 8 to 10, for nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be earthquakes and diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But take ye, but take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues ye shall be beaten, and ye shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. So he's talking about the end times. These are the words of, <coughs> I'm sorry. These are the words of the Lord Jesus himself. 
He's telling us that there shall be wars and there shall be earthquakes and famines and troubles. And he says, these are just the beginning of sorrows. He says, well, and then they, you shall be persecuted. They shall deliver you before councils and you shall be beaten in the synagogues and you shall be brought up before rulers and kings for, for my sake, for a testimony against them. He says, you shall, he talks about the troubles in the world and then he talks about the persecution of the church. But then he says, and the gospel must first be published among all nations. That means that's the primary task of the church. That doesn't matter how bad things get or how bad the persecution gets. The church must preach the gospel. The gospel must be preached among all nations. And then he says, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations and then shall the end come. That means that this gospel of the kingdom, it shall be preached in all the world. Oh, hallelujah. I love this. Jesus is saying that in the end times, this gospel of the kingdom of God, not it might, it shall be preached as a witness to all the world for a witness to all nations and then shall the end come. So the end times are tied up to the preaching of the gospel. Hallelujah. So that's the primary task that God has given us the church and it is all about the gospel, the preaching of the gospel to every man, woman and child on this earth, to every tribe, every kindred, every nation, all over the world, wherever they are, our task is to preach the gospel to them. That is the mandate we have received from God. Now, let's look at evangelists in the New Testament. Uh, we see evangelists. Now, in Acts 21, verse 8. Now, first I'm going to read to you uh, places where evangelists are actually mentioned. And in the and the next day in Acts 21 verse 8 and the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea and we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist which was one of the seven and abode with him. So they were uh, they were uh, there was this man called Philip the evangelist and it says he was one of the seven and I'm going to. Uh, soon explain to you uh, which seven he is talking about. But which uh, says we he he we entered into the house of Philip the evangelist. So there was a man called Philip, and it's and he was the evangelist. Philip the evangelist. That's what he was known as in the church. Philip the evangelist, and he was one of the seven. And we lived with him. Now, why when it why why does it say Philip? one of the seven. This is fascinating because in Acts chapter 6 verses 1 to 5, uh, this, is, uh, this is when Stephen was martyred. He was the first martyr of the church. And this is what happened when, um, uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll read the story. You'll understand. It says, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. You know, the church was taking care and feeding or uh, taking care of and feeding the widows and the orphans. And so some of the uh, Greek widows 
were being neglected and the he, well, the Hebrew widows were being fed and taken care of. And then he says then the 12, the 12 were the 12 disciples. Then the 12 called the multitudes of the disciples unto them. They called all the believers together. They had a meeting and they said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. It's a we, uh, what was happening that the apostles who had been called to preach the word of God, they were, they were actually busy doing this practical work of serving food to the widows. He says, it is not right that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So he says, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. So he said, brothers, can you nominate among you, from among you, seven men of honest report, that means seven men of integrity, seven men full of the Holy Ghost, seven men full of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, so that we can give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And this saying, please the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, uh, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. So this man, second on this list, you remember? Philip, it says, the last scripture I read to you, Acts 21, verse, verse 8, it says, Philip the evangelist, which was one of the seven. So, and so they said, let's choose seven men of integrity, of the, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom so that they can take over this task of serving tables and feeding the wid widows. And they chose Stephen, who later on became the first martyr of the church. And they chose Philip was one of them. And Philip was the one who later on became an evangelist. And then there were five other people. And we don't know, I personally don't know what happened to them. So when it says that Philip was one of the seven, what it says that Philip was one of them, or those who was a deacon, he was one of those men who was chosen by the multitude to take care of the widows and to feed the widows and the orphans. He was later on brought out of that position and he was made an evangelist. So that's so, as I said uh, earlier on, um, you know, in another lesson, I told you how there were uh, prophets and teachers um, uh, and Paul and Barnabas were among them. There were five of them. And, uh, and the Holy Ghost said to them to separate Paul and Barnabas uh, to do the ministry that God had called them to. So Paul and Barnabas were, teach, were either teachers or prophets, but they were taken out of that group and made apostles. So God can use people and God can shift people around to different tasks. So here we see Philip, who was a deacon feeding widows. He is now an evangelist. So I just want you to understand this, how, how just because you do one thing today doesn't mean you will be doing the same thing 20 years from now. You might be, if that's where God wants you. There's a great chance uh, you will be in the same place. But then there's also equally great chance that God will have you do somewhere else. So anyway, so Philip was one of the seven. So this is the uh, first place we read about an evangelist. And that in Acts 21 verse 8, we read about Philip. Now, Ephesians 4 verse 11. This is the second place. We read about an evangelist. He says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. <coughs> Sorry, Ephesians 4 11. 
The third place we reach about, read about evangelists is this in 2 Timothy uh, 4 and 5. He said, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Now this is interesting because this is Paul uh, writing to his spiritual son Timothy and Timothy was not an evangelist, but Paul is telling him, do the work of an evangelist. And what he means is that no matter what calling God has put you into, put soul winning in the forefront of your ministry. And this is very, very, uh, very, very telling that uh, that uh, Paul writes this to his spiritual son, Timothy, and we should take heed to this, that even if you're a pastor or you're a teacher or you believe God has called you to be a prophet or to be in any other ministry, or even if you're in a supportive ministry, whatever kind of ministry God calls you to, do the work of an evangelist. That means that win souls. Whatever you do, whatever you do for the kingdom of God, whatever ministry God has called you to, even if it is internal in the, in the church or you're uh, cleaning floors or you're ushering or you're the parking lot attendant or you're working in the office or in the cafeteria or you're a pastor or whatever God calls you to do, Put soul winning as your priority because that's the primary task of the church. So that's what he means when Paul writes to Timothy, who was not an evangelist. He says, Timothy, do the work of an evangelist and give full proof of your ministry. Amen. Now, an evangelist, this is what an evangelist does. An evangelist preaches Christ to the unreached with signs following. Now, I'm going to... Um, read to you a couple of long passages of scripture and uh, this will help you understand some things. In John chapter 4 verses 5 to 42 we see the ministry of Jesus. Okay let me start reading and I'll explain as I go and you'll understand. Then comes he to the city of Samaria which is called Sychar near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there and Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well, and it was the sixth hour. Then come a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jew have no, Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast thou that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be to him a well of water springing unto eternal life. Then the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, 
you have well said i have no husband for you have had five husband and who and he whom you now thou now hast is not thy husband in that thou said thou truly now this is very interesting let's pause here for a while this is very interesting this samaritan woman you know i mean samaritans they had they had they, they had their own religion and um, they believed in god they believe in some of the prophets and they believe in, in you know in some of the books uh, of the old testament they had their own prophets but they had their own religion it was it was separate from judaism so anyway and the samaritans and the jews had no dealings with each other so the very fact that jesus even engaged this woman in a conversation broke all religious and social norms and he began to talk to her and he first he made a connection with her because she was come there to to get water and he wanted some water so he began to talk to her and then when he has her attention he comes with words of knowledge that's when the gifts of the spirit kick in and he begins to tell her about her life they say you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who's not your husband and then she says sir i can see that you're a prophet and then she said our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you say that in jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship Jesus said unto the woman believe me the hour cometh when ye shall uh, neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the father you know not what you worship but, uh, but but we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such to worship him god is a spirit and they that worship him must must worship him in spirit and in truth the woman said unto him i know that messiah come messiah's coming which is called christ when he will come he will tell us all things then jesus said unto him i speak i that speak unto thee am he and then so he then he says i am the messiah <coughs> and uh, um this is interesting because both the Jews and the Samaritans believed that the Messiah was coming and Jesus said I am the Messiah and at the same time his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with the woman they were surprised that he was talking to the Samaritan woman because Jews and the Samaritans never had any any you know they never spoke to each other and uh, that he talked and yet nobody said what seeketh thou or why talketh thou with her nobody said why are you talking to her the woman then left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men that means she ran to town from the well because these wells are normally outside town and told everybody come see a man which said which told me everything i have ever done is not this the christ couldn't this be the christ and they went out of the city so uh, she told everybody look i met this man he told me everything about my life he knows he could read my mail come don't you think this is the christ and it says they all went out of the city and came to him and in the meantime you know when they were gone before they came his disciples said master eat that said master we brought you some food eat but he said to them i have meat to eat that ye know not of i have food that you don't know 
and therefore said the disciples to one another, has any man brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said, my food, that means my meat, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. That means Jesus said, my food and drink is not physical food and drink, but it is to win souls. It is to win souls. It is to do the will of the Father. That is what Jesus said, because you see, he, was, he wanted to win this Samaritan woman to the Lord, to his Father. He wanted to get her saved. That was He was after her soul. And so when they offered him physical food, Jesus said to them, listen, I have other food that you don't know about. And they said, what food are you talking about, Lord? He said, my food is to do the will of the Father who has sent me. And my food is to win souls for him, to win souls, to bring souls to faith in him. That is my food. And then he said, there are yet four months. And do you, he said, say not ye that there are four months and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they're white already to harvest. So Jesus said, don't say that there's, because it was a common Jewish saying that there's four months to the harvest. That means that there's no hurry in get the job done. There's no hurry in getting the job done. And Jesus said, don't say that there's no hurry in getting the job done, but lift up your eyes and look on the fields for their white already to harvest. He that reapeth receive wages. That means that those who go into the harvest and reap, they are the ones who receive wages and they gather fruit unto life eternal that he both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together and hearing is that say hearing is that saying true one soweth and another reapeth i sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor other man labored and ye are entered into their labors and then what happened then these that at that at the same time this woman had come out and many of the Samaritans of that city of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed of his own word. Uh, because of his own word and said to the woman now we believe not because of your saying but we have heard him yourself and know that is this is indeed the christ the savior of the world so so you can say there there was a revival in samaria right so you can say that there was a great move of god jesus preached in samaria and there was a great revival now look what happens 10 years later after jesus had been there jesus died rose again Ten years after this event, Philip, the evangelist who we read about, he's in Samaria. Acts 8 verses 5 to 12. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto the things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles he did. That means Philip went down to Samaria. And he preached Jesus to them. And people, they listened to what he said because of all the miracles that followed. Um, anyway, I, I, you know, if, if I went through the whole thing, it's going to take a lot of time. So let us, let us stop right here. And I will continue tomorrow <laughs> about, the, about the ministry of the evangelist. Okay, so let's do that tomorrow because I've got a, I'm, I'm going to do the whole thing in context. If I start right now, I'll be gone way over my time. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray for my brothers and sisters. Put your hand upon their life. 
Use them mightily and bless them. Be glorified through all of us, Father, and let us bear much fruit for your glory. Father, if there be anybody here, they have got somebody in their house who is sick, who's infirm, and if they need a miracle in their lives, Father, touch them, heal them, and bless them, I ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you, and I'll be seeing you tomorrow.